Thank you, family. Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Family begins to take their seat. Y'all do me a favor. Grab your Bibles and go to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 7 is where we're going to be hanging out. Hey, as you as you turn there, I just want to quickly take a moment to, and I've been doing this the last couple of weeks. It's very important, uh, but I want to take a moment to express my gratitude. Uh, I, I wish I could say thank you to each and every one of you that are continuing to be generous with your, uh, with your giving. I laid before you that there is a need, and for those of you who may not know, or those of you who are online, we uh, finally got approved by the Department of Buildings to um, to begin our construction, but tagged on to our already expensive construction project uh, is uh, the, the the need to put a, a a lift here on the ramp. And so I've shared with you guys it was an extra thirty thousand dollars. We weren't expecting it, and so uh, but I'm confident that the Lord is going to provide it. He's going to provide it through you, and y'all have been responding. I've been getting the report every week, and I'm just so excited. Next week, I'll give you a number and kind of let you know where we are and what's left. Uh, but you guys have been faithful and consistent in your giving. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you. And those of you who haven't um, given, and maybe it's on your heart, and maybe you're just kind of waiting to move some things around, whatever the case may be, uh, if you haven't given, this is, this is a good time. I just want to challenge you and encourage you. Um, no, no manipulation, no, you know, no gimmicks, no tricks. I ain't promising nothing besides God's going to do his thing through mission uh, because of your giving. So I just want to say thank you, but also challenge those of you who haven't uh, given. Also, really quick, th- this is a busy week for us. As y'all saw, there's a lot coming up this week. So there's Bible study, which I'm excited about. If y'all have never experienced the teaching of Yolanda, the gift that she is to the body of Christ, um, you need to be here. I just want to clarify this Wednesday is not just for like a God Seekers class. It is Bible study and we're bringing God Seekers live. So we want everybody to come out on Wednesday. Um, it's not just Bible study, but it's prayer. So prayer starts at seven o'clock. Which, that, that's not a filler moment. That's the moment we come in here and get to talk to our king, our Lord, who's been good to us. And then we'll move into Bible study and then we'll let you go. But we, we, we're not here no later than nine o'clock. And then Friday, the worship night, I'm excited about that. Saturday, uh, what's Saturday? Fishing for the men. And then Sunday is, uh, is kickball. So it's going to be a great week. Thank God for the um, community life team and Pastor Timmy just facilitating community for us so we can get, you know, get together for the pandemic. Uh, many of us have felt conviction that we haven't been able to get together. And because of that, uh, we feel like we haven't been able to do this thing that we consider as a core value called community. But this week, you're going to get an overdose of community. And so we're trying to make up for some lost time. But I'm excited about all that is going on. If you could jump in in any way, uh, it would be great for your spiritual growth. You'll, you would never save to be isolated. But we are baptized into a body, uh, and that's the body of Jesus Christ. All right, Judges chapter 1. Y'all good this, this, this afternoon? We good? All right, I need y'all to talk back just a little bit. Pick me up in verse number two. It says, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give them the Midianites into your hand. Lest Israel boast over me saying, my own hand has saved me. Therefore proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. 
Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, underline this phrase, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. Verse 5. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, let everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you should set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men, who have lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, Check Your Crew. Do me a favor, just look at somebody and say, check your crew. Come on, look at somebody else and just say, check your squad. Who, who, who's rocking with you? Let's, uh, let's look to the Lord. Uh, Father, I do echo the words of the prophet Samuel this morning. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, this, this honestly feels a, like a bit of a prophetic word. Um, I know, you know, there are some times when I'm preaching, I'm just like, ah, I don't know, you know, how this will land. But then there are moments that I'm fully confident that many of us are struggling in the same area. And I believe that today's text of checking your crew, doing an inspection, seeing who you're rocking with and who's rocking with you, checking out the people that you call friends. I think God is going to expose some things today. Uh, one of my favorite public figures is a guy by the name of Howard Thurman. Uh, he's an influential leader, but not only an influ influential leader, but he's a philosopher, a theologian. Uh, he's a, a, a civil rights activist, an educator. He's an author. In fact, he wrote a book, uh, one of my favorite books, and I recommend you, it's highly recommended. I recommend you, you grab it. It's a book called Meditations of the Heart. Anybody ever read that book? No? All right. Check that book out. Meditations of the Heart. So you won't know this quote. In that book, he, he, says, he says this. He says, there are two questions that we have to ask ourselves on our way to a specific destination. Here's the first question. Where am I going? Such an important question because many times we set off on a journey and we have the destination, but we're not clear on it and we're never asking ourselves, where am I going? In other words, Father, what is the purpose of life? What, what, am I, what am I doing? And I, I would add, and not that I'm smart enough to add to Howard Thurman's thoughts, but I would add, don't just ask yourself, where are you going? But you have to uh, practice the discipline of consistently asking yourself, where am I going? Because many of us get detoured and we go left and a, and a door will open up and a shiny object will pop up here and there. And next thing you know, we're distracted from the journey. So continuing to ask yourself, where am I going? That's the first question in meditations to my heart. Here's the second question as you're going to a specific destination, who will go with me? It's been my experience that this latter question is often overlooked. We are often more concerned about the destination, but we're less concerned about the journey to get to the destination. Let me say it another way. We're often concerned about where we are going, but we're not concerned about who's riding with us in the car. 
And oftentimes, as a consequence, we're, we're rocking with people that are detouring us and draining us and draining us and draining us and draining us. And next thing you know, we're, we become more loyal to the people that are in the car than we are God's calling. I need somebody to say amen right there. I don't know if you're waiting for a specific moment for me to like actually get into the text. I'm preaching already because there are many of you in this room. You are hindered and you would be a lot further along if you just looked at the people that are around you. Because the people that are around us have a way of influencing us. You ever been in, in, a, in a conversation with a group of friends and you started to talk like them and have their lingo? And then you went with another group of friends and you found yourself talking like them and having their lingo? Because friends tend to influence us. And so the, the people that are around you are extremely important to the destination that you are going. You can be hindered in where you're going if you don't look at who is around you. And I'd argue that Howard Thurman, not, not just Howard Thurman, but here in the book of Judges, I would argue that this deep understanding of checking your circle isn't just Howard Thurman, isn't just in the book of Judges, but that's been taught to many of you at an early age. In fact, let, let me prove it to you. Well, don't you finish these quotes. If you lay down with dogs, I, I knew y'all would know it, or birds of a feather, the reason you know that, because deep, 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 deep down inside of you, you were taught to check your circle. Because the Bible will say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, bad company. Y'all know the Bible, too. It corrupts good morals. And so you, you can have good character and good morals, but sometimes it is the people that are around you. And grandma taught you that and grand, grandpa taught you that and your mother taught you that and your father taught you that. But somewhere along the line, uh, we begin to allow a bunch of people to come into our life. And here's the worst. When you let loyalty drive you, sometimes loyalty, there's, there's a thin line between loyalty and stupidity. Very, very thin line. And sometimes we allow the loyalty and the tenure we got to keep the relationship going. When in reality, I wonder if we're being loyal to people that God is like, but yeah, but that, that had an expiration date on it. Right. Why, why are we loyal and that's like, it, it's okay. And I'm not talking about people um, that are uh, disrespectful to you. I'm talking about probably some good friends. Probably some people that you rock with for years. Probably some people that you grew up with. Bad company corrupts good morals. So we, we come to a passage where I think the scripture is going, the story in and of itself challenges us to do an inspection. That the story in and of itself helps us to understand not just the destination, but who's going to battle with you. You got to understand what's happening in the text. Just quick context. The Bible says that Gideon, he's the leader of this army, and he has 35,000 uh, uh, soldiers. He's about to go into battle, and he's good. He's like, I got 35,000 soldiers. I'm, I'm about to march on into Midian and, and take over the Midianites. But the problem is God looks at the people he's about to go in battle with, and he says, you got to trim some fat off the brisket. There's some people that you're about to go into war with that you're not supposed to be connected to anymore. And so he looks and he starts making cuts and he starts making cuts. And, and I, I would argue that if we understand this passage and we apply it to our lives and we look at the people in our lives, I wonder if God is making cuts to the people in our life. Let me get into the text. Verse number two, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many. For me to give the Midianites into your hands. I love the reason why. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Just pause right there. This is not in the notes. I just want to make sure you understand. The reason he is even doing the cuts 
is because he understands that if they win the battle with all the soldiers, they'll take credit for it. And so God will sometimes limit the resources that you have to make sure that you know, can't nobody do this but God. And so you might be getting mad because of the cuts, but at the end of the day, I wonder if God is like, I'm trimming all of this off so that when you actually win the war, you'll look around and be like, man, God, God was faithful. Because if not, if you got too much, you'll take credit. I know I would. That's just how, that's how our hearts are, they, they wander. Verse three, now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. I, I love what is happening here. He's really pressing this idea of discernment. In the text right now, God told Gideon that you're about to go into war, but, but I need you to ask all of the, the soldiers around you, who's scared? Who's afraid? And once you identify who's afraid, send all of them home. Now, do you realize that 22,000 soldiers were afraid? 22,000. I did the math. 69% of the army is scared of battle. And so God looked down and he's like, yeah, you got to send them home because they're scared. But it's not just because they are in fear. You got to understand what God is actually saying. He is saying, don't just send home people who are in fear, but it's really send home people who lack faith. What do I mean by that? Because fear is the antithesis of faith. You cannot have faith and fear co-mix. It, 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 don't, it don't work together. Either I'm going to trust the Lord or I'm not going to trust him. Either I'm going to fully depend on him or I'm going to fully doubt him. There is no middle ground. And so sending people home that have fear in their heart is really God saying, I need you to send people home that don't have faith. And many of us are, are, are tied up right now in relationship with people that lack faith. And you're trying to move ahead in life. You're trying to start that ministry, but you can't start that ministry with a whole bunch of people going around you. Go, oh, I don't know if you should do that. Right. You, you can't start that business with people going around you. Do you see the inflation? Don't tell me what I can't do. Tell me I can do it because the God on my side owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I need people in my life that push, not people that pull me back. And so in the text, he's very clear that if they lack faith, they lack, they, they're fearful, send them home. And many of us, I believe, I believe that many of us stay tied up in mess because we ignore the people that God is exposing. Can I say that again? I, I believe that many of us stay tied up in mess because we ignore the people that God is exposing and God done showed you them. Your issue isn't that you lack discernment. Your issue is that you lack obedience to what you deserve. God exposed them. God showed them for what God showed their true colors. And many of you are saying, this is my, you know, this is my BFF. You know, this is my best friends. And at the end of the day, God is like, stop the hand stuff. They're not. <laughs> Move on. And they might have been in the last season. And I'm not even saying something's wrong with them because sometimes we label people as toxic. They might not even be toxic. They just might not be compatible. There are some people in your life that you just shouldn't rock with and they will be great friends to somebody else, but maybe not to you. And so he says... Man, people who are fearful, they really lack faith. And so because they lack faith, you need to disconnect from them. You trying to go for that job and they're going, girl, why are you trying to go for that job? You good where you are. I don't need you saying that to me. I need you to push me. You, know, you, you, you trying to move ahead and people are, are pulling you back. So just because people in your life are wearing armor doesn't mean they're really soldiers. 69% of the army had on armor. 
but they weren't soldiers and they weren't meant to go into battle. And so everyone that's in your corner isn't your friend. Everybody that comes over the house and, you, you know, y'all, y'all not meant to be forever. You know, brothers, if she heart eyed your, you know, your, your little post on Instagram, now I don't mean that's wifey material. Every dude that slip into the DMs don't mean he husband material. What we need is discernment. Can somebody say discernment? That is what he's pushing right now in the text. He is pushing discernment. Discernment is nothing more than the ability to judge well. That's all. We try to be so deep. Discernment is only given by God, and it's it's special insight that he gives you about people that are around you. And I'm convinced many of you, God has been, you've been discerning, and God has been exposing, and God has been showing, and you've been ignoring, and you've been ignoring, and a lot of times it's because of loyalty. I'm convinced that many of us, you know the other reason that many of us don't disconnect from people that God have exposed because we secretly like drama? I know I'm preaching. Like, seriously, I know I'm preaching. We, we, we seriously like, we like drama. And a lot of times it's because we grew up with so much drama around us. When a healthy relationship come in, we be like, that ain't authentic. I need a little bit of drama in my life. And so we only pick people that will bring a little bit of drama. But I'm trying to tell you that ain't normal. God, you know you can be holistically healthy and all my friends, every friendship can thrive. You don't, you don't have to endure. You don't have to select drama. Ladies, y'all hear me. And I don't know why I'm going here. I didn't say this in the first service. Y'all stop picking men that are needy and bringing in drama. And brothers, neediness ain't an attractive characteristic. Well, if, if I don't pay his rent, who's going to pay my rent? If I ain't paying, how are you going to get his rent paid? If that's your question, see me afterwards. I want to connect you with Yolanda so we can have discipleship. Because that's, that's what we need. We allow toxic people in our life. And we say, come on, stay in my life. I need you in my life. But at the end of the day, you need to rid yourself of the toxins. You know, in, in college days, and I've shared this with you all. I've shared my lack of, um, of, of, of limits when it came to adult beverages. I went to a keg party when I, was in, uh, when I was in college and I drank too much. I'm not glorified, I'm just telling y'all the story. I drank too much, it was a long night. And because it was a long night, let's just say I, I didn't wake up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I had what they call a hangover. Now, do you realize what a hangover actually is? A hangover is the body's natural response to rid itself of toxins. And it will violently rid itself of toxins. Y'all ever been over the toilet and you throwing up and throwing up and throwing up and, and you sweating and you dry heaving and you, you know, doing it the other way. and You just sick and you sick and you sick. It's the body, the body saying there's too much in you that is toxic. Why does God create the body to naturally rid itself of toxins, but we welcome it in relationships? You toxic. I'm toxic. Let's get married. We welcome it. And here's what God said to Gideon. 22 of them fools ain't really ready for battle. They scared. Send them home, bruh. And what does Gideon do? Gideon sends home 22,000 soldiers. I forgot to tell you. Do you know that the Midianites he is battling against actually has 135 soldiers waiting for him? Go to, you don't have to go to now. Read chapter 8, verse 10 when you get home. In the very next chapter, it says that there's 135,000 soldiers. But here you have Gideon having 35,000 and God just sent 69% of the, uh, of the soldiers home. And they only have 10,000 now. Now, see, if I'm Gideon, you know, God got to work on my heart. If I'm Gideon, I'm going, God, like, I really need them, though. <laughs> yeah, anybody else would be like that? Like, God, like, 
like, I wonder, he probably sent home some good warriors. He probably sent home some good soldiers, but he realized that they might have been good in the last season and in the last battle, but they ain't ready for this next battle. They are seasonal. This is why I say you got to stop being loyal over people that are seasonal. Naturally built into the relationship, there are some relationships that were not meant to go past the expiration date. They are seasonal. And so, so some people uh, are temporary and you have, to, you have to understand, identify that. Identify that. You got to move forward when you understand the season of life that they're in. So in the text, he says 22,000 need to go home. And what I love about Gideon is Gideon immediately moves into discernment and he moves into obedience and he trusts what God is saying, despite the fact that he's about to fight a battle with soldiers that outnumber him. He moves into discernment. And I promise you, one of the things that you need to pray about this week is God, give me discernment. God, reveal their intentions. God, show me who they are. Man, I'm in a season right now. I promise you, God, God reveals stuff in the moment. You ever been talking to somebody? I was talking to somebody last week. It was two weeks ago. And he was talking, talking. Everything he was saying was sound believable. Something in my spirit said, this Negro lying. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but something in there was like, ah, I don't believe him. I'm like, yeah, you don't say. Get out of here. And I'm going, uh, not true. And it sound believable because God knows how to give discernment. I'm telling you, you got you to gotta know how to discern gossipers in your life. Can I get an amen, Jair? We got to learn how to die. We got to discern those. And let me tell you how to discern gossipers. If they gossip to you, they're gossiping about you. Don't ever get it twisted. If they feel that free to talk about everybody else. And now, you know, I really and I don't mean to I don't mean to have a lot of vinegar here. I really hate gossip. I really do. I hate gossip because it's destructive. It plants seeds. It's disrespectful to the one that doesn't know that you're gossiping about them. Many of us allow people in our life that are gossipers and God will reveal it. God will show you the gossiper. He will show you the liar. He will show you the person that's not in your corner. He will show you the person that just ask God, God, give me discernment. Like, like show me who they are. And God reveals them every single time. So here's the thing. He revealed to Gideon 22,000 of them shouldn't shouldn't go into battle. But do you know that God does a second cut? That's the crazy thing. He cuts 22. And then in verse four. The Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. I'm like, God, I got 10,000. The people are too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say, this one shall not go with you, shall not go with you. Many of you in this room right now, you're going like, how can I, how can I, how can I discern? Like, should I, at the end of the day, it's not really up to you to pick and choose who should be in your life. Notice that both cuts were God. God revealed both cuts. And so this is why I said you got to take those feelings and what you, you know, that, that, that little thing that you feel like, oh, I just, I don't know. You ever got a relationship? Ain't nothing wrong with the person. But you're like, I just don't know if this is it. I don't know if this is the person I should tell my, you know, my deepest heart to. Never. My pastor used to tell me that years ago. When you feel that, never ignore it. Never ignore it because you never know how the spirit is working. So what he says is 22,000 got to go. Oh, but you got 10,000. I still got to cut down 10. Uh, I still got to cut down thousands of people and bring them down to a smaller number. And what this shows me, God doing two cuts is really God being persistent. His persistency in the text shows me how serious he is about the people in your life. 
And you're in here, you're going, um, you know, I just, this sermon, you know, this, this one not for me. But do you know how serious God, people in your life can be detrimental to you making to the destination. And so God wants to trim it down. God, God wants to take some of it off and never be surprised when he, the people that he actually exposes. Because how he exposes them actually is a painful process. Can I be honest with you? It ain't like God comes down to your living room and be like, yo, pull out the pen, pull out the paper. Here's the list. That's not how he does. He exposes the people by you getting stabbed in the back. Then he's like, there it is. He, he exposes the people by you telling them something and confiding them. And the next thing you know, 10 other people know. That's how he exposes people. He exposes people uh, 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 oftentimes, and if you understood how detrimental they were to your future, you would understand why God is so persistent with getting them out of your life. 22,000 got to go. Be prepared. This process is, is you, you'll know who shouldn't be with you when you get lied on. I wish there was a way, a better way that he would expose them. I wish he'd write it somewhere, you know, like he did in the book of Daniel. Remember Daniel? Not that long ago, he was writing on the walls. I wish he would expose them that way. That's not how he exposes people. He sets you up and lets you get betrayed and says, there it is. And this is what I'm trying to warn us against. Don't ignore it. Pay attention to what God is doing. God says, see, I'm showing them. I'm exposing them. You shouldn't be in that relationship. You shouldn't be in that friendship. And I'm not just talking intimate relationships. I'm talking friendships. I'm talking groups of people. I'm, I'm talking to organizations. There's stuff that you are part of that God is like, it's nice that you're there, but you're hindered in where I really want you to be. So I need to start doing some cuts. And so he says, look, take them down to the water. When you get to the water, I'm going to expose who they are. And I'm going to show you in a very unique way that I don't even understand the rationale behind it. Look at what he says in verse number five. Y'all good? So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, then the number of those who lapped put it into their hands uh, was 300. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men who have lapped, I will save uh, save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. So he says, take them down to the water. And when you get to the water, there's two things I want you to do. First of all, just watch. And once you watch, watch how they drink the water. There are some people that's going to lap the water. So meaning they're standing in a, in a prostrate position. They go down and they get the water and they're sitting there drinking like this. Then he says, there's another group that's going to get on all fours. And they're going to put their face in the water and they're going to drink it that way. When you see them do that, send them home. Why does he say send them home? When I read it, I was going, oh, God, like, do you, are you just like throwing stuff out there? Is there rationale to what you were doing? But there actually is purpose in what he is doing. You got to understand that the people that got down on all fours to drink the water, they're not concerned about the enemy coming around. They're only concerned about their uh, uh, sustenance and they're drinking the water. So in other words, at the root of that relationship is really selfishness. They don't care about you. They don't care about this war. They don't care about battle. They just want to get their drink on. And so at the end of the day, when you say they're going, well, who should be in my life? You know, first is people that lack faith. Second is, don't miss this, people who are distracted and selfish. They got on all fours and begin to drink the water. And trust me, 
This I know. There are people in your life that drain the life out of you because they're selfish. Somebody, somebody felt that. I think it was my mother-in-law. I hope it's not me that drains your life. There, there are people in your life, and this is how you know them. When you're in a conversation, if you're telling them about your world, and they never ask you about the kids, they don't ever ask you about, you know, that, that one thing that you confided in them and told them about, they don't ever ask you about your, your situation, they immediately start talking about to them, red flag. It's probably selfishness. If you're always going out your way to help them and help them and make sure they're taken care of and they never lift a finger to help you, selfishness. And so what he says in the text is be alert because alertness means that I'm not only concerned about me drinking water, but I need to make sure we win the battle. So I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to get on all fours. And many of you have selfish people in your life right now. They only want their needs to be met. And this is another bad quality men. This is another bad, bad characteristic that ain't too cute is when we're selfish with with, with our, uh, our relationship when it, when it comes to either a marriage, uh, an engagement, or a dating relationship, when you're only thinking about yourself, it's hard to make that thing work. By the way, marriages, when I'm talking about disconnecting from people, your wife ain't the 22. She won't be, I don't know if we, I want to make sure we're on the same page. Like, the second cut ain't the husband. That ain't, that ain't, I'm, y'all not going to write that down and take that note out. I'm like, Pastor B said, go ahead and leave you, so... You, you lapped that water too wrong. I'm, I'm out of here. That's not what I'm saying. I, I'm simply saying you got to watch out for people in your life that don't have faith and are selfish because those are the two cuts. First, he eliminated the doubters. Then he eliminated the distracted. And they were distracted because they were simply selfish. Let me, let me be very clear, though. What he is not doing is he is not cutting them down to a number that is zero. Because some of you are here going, see, this is why I like being isolated. This is why I'm an introvert. This is why I stay home and I don't connect with everybody. That's not what he still had 300. He had a squad. He had a tight squad. You know, that's what I love about Jesus, too. You know, there's 120 disciples. I was in the upper room, but he also rocked with 12. And he got really, really, really close with Peter, James and John. Three had a squad, had a crew. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. Don't be isolated. Do you know that there's a scripture in Proverbs? I think it's Proverbs 18. It says, he who isolates himself breaks out against all sound judgment. Isolation is a punishment. When people can't operate in society, they go to jail to be isolated from society. When they can't function well in jail, they go to solitary confinement because they can't operate. Isolation ain't prosperity. It is, it, it is a punishment. And so many of you in this room, you like rocking by yourself. Trust me, I'm an introvert, deeply an introvert. I like being by myself, but I know it ain't healthy too long. I need people in my life. I need people that can call me out. I need people that I'm offended with, but I know it's God. And this is why I said, don't label everybody as toxic because God has some people in your life that aren't toxic. They just telling you the truth and you don't like the tension. Tension ain't toxic. Uh, I can't say the word toxic. Tension ain't toxic. So when, when somebody's in your life, God might have them in their life to prune you and make you sharper. Don't act like y'all, can't, y'all can say every word. My wife struggles with Colorado. Ask her to say it afterwards. She put a W in Colorado. I'm like, baby, that ain't there at all. But, 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 but there are some people in your life that God intentionally placed. This is why he gives us endurance. 
This is why he teaches us. Remember, long suffering. He teaches us to ride with people. There are some people in my life that get on my nerves, but I know it's the Lord. Don't cut everybody off. You know how we do them New Year's resolutions and everybody cut off? You know how we make those announcements on Facebook? If I'm no longer your friend on Facebook, bro, just, just disconnect. Go ahead. It's all good. But you know how we make these announcements? That's not what God is doing. God is telling him to be very selective with people that he calls friends. Be very selective with people that you're going into war with. As we talk about friendship and disconnecting, and there's one relationship that really should teach you how to be a friend that you never should disconnect from, and that's the relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know you're like, oh, my, he's my God. He's, he's my king. He's not, he's not my friend. Do you know that the Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother? You learn what it means to be a friend by looking at Jesus. Remember I talked about selfishness. He was the most selfless person you've ever met. He was willing to sacrificially and selflessly go to a cross to die for your sins, absorb the very wrath of God that stood against you so that you can be presented as holy and blameless, even though we're not holy and blameless. This is the friend named Jesus. And so some of you are trying to figure out how to be a better friend. The best way to figure out how to be a better friend is to look to Jesus. Always gaze on him. Always put your focus on him. Because when you put your focus on him, not only does he expose uh, the toxic people around you, but he teaches you not to be toxic. Because some of you are the toxic friend. I'm serious. I'm not. Some of you are the toxic. Thank you for playing because I felt flat right there. Some of you are the toxic friend. Some of us are the toxic friend. And we don't mean to be, we, we don't mean to hurt people, but we have sin in our hearts. I want to pray for somebody in this room, somebody who is in need of clarity on that relationship. I was going to call an altar call, but I honestly feel like this is such a prophetic word. I feel like it's for at least 99.9% of the room. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you are exposing those that are around us. And Lord, we don't want to beat nobody up. These are good people. These might be good people. You know, but Father, you, you do expose us. And the process of you exposing, what I pray, oh God, that you would give us endurance when that painful process hits. Help us to have boldness. Help us to be obedient. Help us to set up boundaries and there are some people that we need to disconnect to right now so some of us in the beginning of the sermon Lord I know how people I know what we did we identified at least one person but Lord in the text you made two cuts not one so I wonder if there's more so father and reveal their intentions show me their heart and I pray oh God at the end of the day I pray for repentance I pray that it would flow I don't, I don't pray that we would just cut off, but that relationships would re be restored. I do pray for that. But I know, oh God, that if you're cutting people out, that means you're adding somebody that adds value. So Lord, send them, Lord. Send somebody that can, that can help in that next season. And not just, Lord, we don't want to be selfish in this relationship. Not just help us, but somebody that I can help them too. Mutual, mutual help. Lord, I pray, oh God, for those who have experienced that painful process of betrayal and being lied on and being the source of gossip, the content of someone else's conversation. 
pray, oh God. Pray, oh God, that you would help us, oh God, to have not thick skin, but sensitive hearts. But help us, help us, oh God, to be able to get past it. Lord, you do a work in our hearts that nobody else can do. And so, Lord, we trust you with this thing called relationships. You modeled it for us, not just in your relationship with us, but your relationship in the Godhead. Y'all never argue. Y'all never have disagreements. So, Lord, I thank you for a model. It's in Jesus' name we give glory and honor. Amen.